Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Do you want a burrito? Oh, no, I you're do. a vegan. You oh, do? They're not vegan. They're not vegan, but we do have guacamole and chips oh, over there. Well, then I'm all set. Okay. I'll eat those as soon as we. Uh, I'm not going to eat them on the show. I'm going to linger and oh, eat good. chips. Good, good, good. And then okay, I'm going to head out. No, okay. All right. Well, I'm not saying I'm leaving right now. I'm saying when this is over, I'm going to head over there and I'm going to eat. Ooh, I see you have Raisin Bran too. Yeah. Now let's figure out who I am. Yeah, yeah. Should I start? Yeah. Matil Tig O'Callaghan Notaro, born March 24th, 1971, is an American stand-up comic, writer, radio contributor, and actress. Can you slow down a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got excited when I saw all the things I could do. She is known for her deadpan comedy. Her acclaimed album, Live, was nominated in 2014 for the Grammy Award for Best Comedy Album at the 56th Annual Grammy Awards. I lost. Well, maybe speed it up just a little. <laughs> the special Tignotaro Boyish Girl Interrupted was nominated in 2016 at the 68th Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing for a Variety Special. Didn't win. It also was nominated for the Grammy Award for Best Comedy Album at the 59th Annual Grammy Awards. Let's get to this it. This is really thrilling for me to have you here. May I call you Tig? In quotes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but but I appreciate it. And I was told I to bring your... something weird. Yeah, did you? Orange juice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's just an it's unusual. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was thinking about how you are famously deadpan, and I'm sure everyone talks about this. But I was thinking about how on late night talk shows you are remarkably steady and hysterical. Thanks. And I am like a rabbit that's about to be slaughtered or something that's like super eager. And I take on this other persona. If only it knew. It probably doesn't know that it's going to be slaughtered. I don't know. I don't either. I mean... But I know what you're saying. Yeah. Anxious. Yeah. Scared. Walk me through the process. Because when I do the pre-interview for a talk show, I never have a good story. There's like nothing like I I can pitch to them. Yeah. I feel like I'm always letting them down. Mm. And then when I actually do the show... I'm also letting the host down. I imagine you're being too hard on yourself about talk shows. There's no way that talk show hosts are like, well, that was a disaster. They laugh too loud at stupid things out of awkwardness. Why do you think those make you nervous, the talk shows? I know it makes people nervous. I'm not comfortable in my own skin in general, Mm -hmm. as you can probably tell. No. (laughs) You seem fine. <laughs> I don't know. I love you already. I, I knew it. And I you. <laughs> I think it might be different for a stand-up, though, right? I don't know. I think all stand-ups are different. No. Yes. Nope. You're all the same. Nope. All I've people are different. Research. All stand-ups are different. I don't think so. A lot are the same. But I think there's some part of me, and I don't know where it went or what happened, but I just don't think... I'm having a big moment. I don't think somebody is 
greater than me. I don't think I'm greater than someone. I can see like, oh, this is special or fun, but I'm not like, oh my God. You're not thinking that everything's hanging on that? On anything. I think I had that already in me. I do too, because you dropped out of high school, right? So you knew that there was a part of you that was headed for greatness. Well, if you could have known me at that point. (laughs) Well, I failed eighth grade twice, and then I failed it again, and then they just moved me up to ninth grade. And then then I dropped out in ninth grade. Yeah. So I was like 47 Mm -hmm. when I dropped Mm -hmm. out. You know, I had a really close friend that had dropped out of high school, and I think that got me thinking about it. And I was like, oh, he dropped out. Maybe I'll drop out because I really hated school. What did you hate about it? Every Fucking part thing. of it. Yeah. I, homework and schoolwork. And, um, but what about the social aspect? You must have loved that part. I mean, I enjoyed my, my gaggle of friends. They were all you know, musician guys. And I'm still friends with my friends from, Mm. from my childhood. Okay. If you went to a high school reunion, what do you think people would say about you? How would they describe you? (laughs) Cause that's the only reason you go to a high school reunion. I can't imagine going to a reunion. Have you been to one? Yeah. I went to my 20th. How long ago Uh, was that? Solid. Well, let's see. I graduated in 94. So I guess that was 2014. And uh, and that was your 20-year high school reunion? Yeah. Were you excited to go to that? No. No, Why I wasn't. Why did you go? My brother got contacted by some people that went to my school, and I didn't know. You wanted know. to sign autographs. <laughs> that would be incredible. I wanted to take a bunch set of up a table. selfies. The big relief of the night was that people described me the way that I remembered myself which was quiet and sort of non-existent, which is how I remembered my high school experience. Where are you from? I grew up north of Seattle. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's beautiful up there. It is really pretty. So beautiful. Yeah. I feel like people would describe me as, I'm remembering you asked me that, right? Yeah. I think they would say I was funny and cool. Oh, damn. And then you're just like, I'm leaving out you. Of here. Yeah. But then you were like, no. Nope. I was like, I got to get out of here. Yep. <laughs> Going to the city of angels. Well, no, I, I didn't come here until um, quite a while after because I was working in music business and doing stuff like that. So I was also going to ask you what your most favorite job outside of the entertainment industry was and your least favorite job. Um, my most favorite Well, I think my first job, because my rock and roll buddies, they all worked at this pizza place. What was it called? Lakewood Pizza. And we all worked together, me and these three guys. And still to this day, I always feel like if I had to have a job outside of stand-up, I would deliver pizzas. Because I like, I really liked that time period. I would... Really love getting in the car, driving to someone's house, listening to music and smelling pizza. Yeah. And then getting tips. I was up in um, Orcas Island. Yeah. Isn't it gorgeous? Oh, my God. What were you doing up there? My wife was booked in a movie and then she couldn't do it. And they had asked me to do a one day role on the movie where she was one of the stars. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go up and do a day on the movie, and then we can bring the boys and just have a little vacation. And then Stephanie couldn't do it anymore. And then I thought, well, I'll still just go do my day. And I did not read the script. (laughs) And I just said yes to this. And luckily, this movie isn't coming out. It completely fell apart. But I arrived in Orcas Island, and... I was in a peanut suit, abandoned in the woods. I really want this movie to come out. It's not coming out. Shit. It's on lockdown. But you kept the penis outfit, right? No. No, I didn't. I should have. I really should have. Yeah. I thought I was being pranked. When they, And that's when I realized I should have read the script. I didn't do my homework there either. <laughs> I didn't do my homework. But you liked Orcas Island, though. I considered I would abandon my life and just move out there. But Stephanie's pretty attached to Los Angeles. Where is she from? Los Angeles and New York. She went back and forth. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of sophisticated to be bi-coastal. Yeah, but it's not what you think. Let me be more specific. Orange County and Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, she's sophisticated, certainly, but it's not like she was jetting back and forth between Hollywood and Manhattan. Can I ask you something else? Yeah. When you found out you were having twins. We did IVF. We put in three embryos. We hoped for twins and we got them. And now they live in our house. My God. And it's hard. Max and Finn. Yeah. They're going to have their own secret language. Mm -hmm. Do you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. When I was fueling up the car to go to the hospital for their birth. I pulled into the gas station, and the car in front of me, I promise you, had a piece of paper taped to the back window that said Finn Max. What was that about? That was my question. And I Googled it, and it's a production company. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I was like, took a picture of it, and I couldn't believe what I was looking at. I want to hear about worst jobs, too. So you worked at a coffee shop. Yeah. That wasn't your worst job, though. It wasn't great. I mean, it was when I first moved to Los Angeles. Was it like a chain? No, no. It was known as a lesbian coffee shop in West Hollywood. It's called Little Frida's. And I worked behind the counter, and I remember there was a line out the door for coffee. All the time? No, this one moment. And I'm behind the cash register trying to, you know, punch in the numbers. I messed it up. I had to get my my boss to come help me. And this woman said, you know, it's not too late to go back to college or to go to college. And then, um, oh, man, I was so humiliated. Oh, what a fucking bitch. That was with a line waiting. Mm. And I said to my boss, I was like, God, I want to go out to there. Interrupt her and her friends, and I just want to say, 
oh, you know what? Because of you, I just quit my job and I, I'm going off to college. And, and I remember my boss said, who is still a friend of mine, and she said, that'll do nothing. What you should do, and I will support this, is go out to her table and say what you said to me was so offensive and inappropriate. And she said, you know, you can't fight fire with fire. So going out there and being sarcastic is not going to do anything. And you'd be the bigger person if you just were direct. And I was like, oh, my gosh. It changed my life. I didn't go out and do it, but it changed my life. <laughs> that moment did change my life. And I, I use sarcasm all the time. But when I have to be serious or to the point, I really try. And it's because of that moment. I had this moment when I was... Uh... Uh, I think flying back from Vancouver, having like just made scary movie, or there was somewhere in that time frame. But I was sitting on a plane next to this older gentleman, and he was making small talk with me, which normally it's always the reverse. But uh, he said, "So you know, what what do you do? Where do you live? Or whatever." I said, oh, "I live in Los Angeles," and I I remember being proud of of being a working actor. And he said, you know, so what do you do? Which I knew he was going to. And then I was like excited to be able to tell him like, oh, I'm an actor. And he said, so that really means you're a waitress. Mm -hmm. So this is how this person views me is that I'm a liar or a dreamer or both or delusional. Delusional, and, probably. And attempting to present myself as something other than I was, because I was so proud to be a working actor. Well, probably in his head, he was like, oh, I don't recognize you, so you're not famous, probably. I think so. I also was, like, sitting in 37D. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never forget that seat. I'll never forget that seat. But I'll never forget it. I don't know. But those moments. But they, I don't know. Are they character? But they are, I guess. Yeah. Right? Of course. Are those your questions for me? Mm, sort of. Do you want me to just go through them and answer them? Yeah. Are you ready? No. no. Do you want me to just read them? Question right. number four. What is the weirdest thing in my house? Um, probably my son. Which one? Max. The other day he said, with no prompting. Yeah. It can be tricky to touch a bird. And I was like, oh, you are right. You are right about that. It can be tricky to touch a bird. He's three. And how much time he has spent looking at a bird and thinking, or trying to touch a bird. And just out of nowhere, just it can be tricky to touch a bird. Yeah. Oh, God, that's like heartbreaking and hysterical at once. It's it's the greatest sentence ever put together. That combo of words. When Jack was three, my son, we were Do on you have a, one kid? Yeah. Okay. He, we were on a flight up to Seattle, and we start to descend. And the plane, at this point, you know, upon descension, gets a little bit quieter. And he said, Mommy, we're going down! <laughs> Oh my gosh, I saw my son, Finn, playing on the kitchen floor today, and he was doing something with cars, and he, I heard He's him say... He's not the bird toucher. No, that's Max. 
And I just saw him in his own world. And then I heard him say, it's go time. Yeah. And I said, Finn, it's go time. He got so embarrassed that I heard him in his little world. (laughs) Finn, I'm going to have you on the podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. Max would come on. And he would talk to you about how tricky birds are to touch. Yeah. Well, they are. But Finn would, he'd crawl in that box and shut it. You must see radically different personalities out of them. Mm-hmm. Even though I kind of think that they're speaking a secret language and they might just like murder They're not you identical both. twins. I find it interesting when people see them and they're like, whoa, how do you tell them apart? And like, they are so different. You just heard they were twins and now you're acting like it's... Yeah, but don't all people kind of look alike? Sure. I have this condition. It's called prosopognosia, and it's when you don't have the ability to recognize a face. The president of Ellen's production company has that. Really? Yeah. How'd you know it was me when I came in? Because they were like, Tig! Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm -hmm. I had other people tell me. So if I see you someplace, you'll... Oh, this is what I'll do. Are you ready? Yeah. I'll be like, oh my gosh, great to see you. How is everything? That's and then good I'll, enough. I'll start to search for clues. Like, so when was the and last I'm like, time? Hold on, I gotta get my orange juice. And then you're like, orange juice is that you in the take? afternoon? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. My my nightcap. Here's Max and Finn. Well, they are just disgusting. But come on, you can tell them apart. No, you can't. I don't think you can. Are you kidding me? No, no. They look exactly alike. You're out of your mind. Okay, you know what I'm going to show you? All right. This is them on their way Our to school. Our listeners are going to love this. I'm not here to please anybody. Okay, are you? look. <laughs> Nothing. Oh. They don't look alike. Yeah, you might be right. I'm, I know I'm right. I, they're my roommates. And they're adorable. They're pretty cute. They're really cute. Yeah. Are you guys doing Halloween? Yeah, they're I obsessed. Hate Halloween. I know all I kids. I was never into uh, Halloween. I wasn't either. I don't like it. Yeah, I wasn't into it. And then I after get candy I had my them, own way. Yeah. Right, Tig? What kind of candy do you like? I like a little Reese's Pieces. I feel like you don't want to talk about candy. I don't really. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm know. sorry to bother do you. Like you candy? With that. I feel like you. Gummy worms are fine. Yeah. You know, gummy things. No, what about a Sour Patch child? Sure. Nah, that just made my mouth water. I know, I know. I like dark chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. With maybe some sea salt and almond in there. But I'm not somebody that's sitting around just like, hey, I'll be on the couch having some candy. That's where you can find me at the end of my day. Where, where, Where could we find you at the end of the day? Well, I put Max and Finn to bed. At 7.30, and then I brush my teeth, I wash my face, and I pretty much go to bed. Do you um, wash your face every night? Mm. I feel like that's admirable. You don't? No. Oh, come on. Well, they wash your face for you here, right? No. Yeah. I, make that I know how Hollywood works. <laughs> you get makeup face, and then they wipe it off. Oh, not really. Put a little lotion on there. I get a little impatient. I'm like, I just go home and watch a program. What programs do you... Are you drawn to? Well, lately, my sweetheart and I have been watching Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. What programs are you watching? 
I'm not really much of a program person, I'll be honest with you. So what do you do at night? I really don't know what I do. Are you one of those fall asleepers? No, 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 no. Max and Finn wake up between four and five in the morning. So I'm done with my day at like eight. And I have a regular show in Los Angeles every month. And I move the start time to 7 p.m. because I can't do 8.30 anymore. I can't do it. Is it it at Largo? Mm Mm-hmm. I want to come see it. And I have a live talk show that you'll have to come. I would love to. Would you? Yeah, I would love to. I have to tell you, I was so nervous about you coming here because I am such a big fan. That's and true. it is so true. Uh, well, I appreciate I, that. But uh, what is the nerves about? Because I really admire you. Uh, you're fucking hysterical. And, and the arc of your storytelling is fascinating to me. And... When you tell your Taylor Dane story, mm-hmm. you go through these moments where there's like the recognition of of being a fangirl, but then also like, but I'm going to push this. But the fan part, I wrote that before I had cancer. So that element was still in me of where I'm not nervous to go up to Taylor Dane. To go back to that point when you were saying, how are you comfortable in, on a talk show? That story, I think, shows that I'm genuinely a fan of Taylor Danes, but I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous to go up to. I was just like, hey, I love your stuff. And then she was rude. And then I was like, that's hilarious. And then so when I kept seeing her, it just became a science project to me. So has your comedy changed from before like pre-cancer mm-hmm. to post-cancer it has because when i went on stage i mean my my comedy has changed since the first time i ever told jokes when i first started i was doing very i was all about the written word it was very concise it was real tidy this is my little joke and i would deliver it and then i would deliver another joke and another joke and i would leave the stage and then as time would go on i'd I remember I wrote a three and a half minute joke. And then I remember wanting to utilize a prop. The stool. The stool, yeah. I love the stool. You're kind. And then when I wrote Taylor Dane, that was a like a 14 minute story. And then when I had cancer and I went on stage, I had never shared personal details, like really personal, even though everything I've shared on stage is always born out of truth. I hadn't really exposed personal details. And so that changed in that moment. There have been times in my process of performing and writing where I've thought, well, I can't do this because I've written one-liners. I can't do a three-minute joke. And then I thought, well, I want to push this stool, but that's not really my thing. I just stand here and tell jokes. And then I thought, I want to do it. So I did it. Taylor Dane's 14 Minutes, I did that. I said that I had cancer. And I feel like you can get stuck in a corner if you start to believe that you're the one-liner person or you're the storyteller or you're the truth-teller or you're the prop comic. And, And if you really want to do something else, you should do something else. And in that moment when I went on stage, when I had been diagnosed with cancer. I thought, <laughs> I've never done this, but I'm just going to share what's going on. And after that, 
it just became one more thing that changed in my process. When I started the, uh, this podcast, it, part of it was a reaction with being on this show that I love, Mom. And I love doing the show, but I didn't have any sense of creative control or the idea of narrative over my own life. Not that that was my purpose necessarily, but it became like this side effect. Yeah. I like what the podcast has, has given me that I didn't expect, like feeling that I can be vulnerable in a way that I didn't, I didn't recognize before, mm -hmm. I guess. I'm allowing myself to share personal details in my standup, but I also am not believing the press where people describe me as, you know, I bear it all on stage and I just tell these stories and I, you know, I, what, what makes you resistant to that? I'm not, I'm saying that's a part of me, right? but there's also nonsense, right? I love silly nonsense and I'm not just going to, you know, my album exploded after I came out with my personal stuff that was going on and I could have believed well, this is the new me now. This is what I do. I find the truth and the hard stuff and the comedy. That's there. I'm happy to talk about it. But I've also allowed myself to swing in the other direction and just do utter nonsense. Because I feel like whether it's one-liners, Taylor Dane for 14 minutes, saying that I have cancer and making light of it, pushing a stool across the stage, I want to have the freedom to do whatever I want to do, when yeah. I want to do it. I have an Instagram account for my cat, and I was only my cat. And then I started doing more stuff, like I would appear in a picture, and then, and then all of a sudden it was my Instagram account. And then I just, one day, maybe only a month ago, I was like, oh, oh, God, <laughs> oh, my God. And I just... Deleted. What, what, what was the impetus? This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For that. I felt like I was in this abyss where I was like, what am I doing? What am I looking for? Why am I? I don't know. Yeah. It, just felt, it just felt weird. It's not like a judgment about it. I just, I was curious if I really felt 
attached to that or if I was just doing it because that's what people do. And then when I deleted it, I've never looked back. Maybe tonight I'll post something on my cat's Instagram. But I'm like, well, what was that all about? I completely agree. Mm-hmm. I find it like looking through like women's magazines mm-hmm. where you, after you put it down, you feel bad about yourself. That constant looking for approval. I just don't find a ton of fulfillment out of it. Mm-hmm. I, having said that, I love it when people like things or whatever, but I just don't know if it is Cinderella's shoe for me. Right. I just don't know. I don't know either. It's like people signing your yearbook. Yeah. Have a great summer or we're going to be friends forever. Yeah. It's like what, what is it going to be? What's it going <laughs> to be? What's it going to be? So your burritos are specifically for this podcast? Yeah. And who supplies the burritos? Do you need to know? Yeah. So on this podcast, yeah. which I'm sure you've listened to a ton of yeah. before you got here, yeah. we call strangers. You call them. Yeah. They've submitted questions okay. and, uh, and then we call them okay. and, and they ask us their advice questions okay. and we attempt to give them advice. I Let's bet your it. advice is going to be way better than mine. It's usually the case. Oh, here's my page. Okay, so first we are calling Abby. All right, let's call Abby. Hello? Is this Abby? Yes, this is. Abby, hi. It's Anna, and I'm here with Tig. Tig Nataro. Oh, hi. Hi. Yeah. Abby, it's me. Hi, I actually just watched one of your, I watched like a Netflix special of yours the other day, actually. Oh, well, here I am. Yeah, Abby, thank you so much for writing in to us. Tell us what's going on. Thanks so much for having me. So my mom and my boyfriend, they currently are not speaking. A little backstory is uh, my boyfriend and I just moved to Minnesota from Ohio, um, away from all of our friends and family, because I got a job promotion. Congrats. Thank you. And so we moved, and I asked my mom to actually come up and help decorate just so she could be a part of the process, because I know that, you know, moms love doing that. So she came for about a week. Everything was going okay. And then all of a sudden, I left the room, came back, and they were having an argument. They spent some time apart for about two hours, came back together, and it turned into a full-on screaming match. And my mom ended up leaving early, and they haven't talked since. Um, And recently, my sister got married, and I actually uninvited my boyfriend because I just didn't want that energy at her big day. So I was just wondering how I can navigate this without having to completely just like live two lives and like see my family alone or, you know, that sort of stuff. (laughs) Oh, Abby, this is so hard. Okay. So wait, a few questions. Had they had tension prior to the big blowout? A little bit. They've never really been close. When my boyfriend and I first got together, actually, I wasn't really talking to my family because I was going through my own sort of thing. And then, you know, when I started talking to them again, they were, my mom has always been kind of tentative about it just because I think she's worried to get too much in my business, I guess. I don't know. I mean, they've never been close, but I don't think there's been any, like, animosity. Can you be a little more specific about what the, the argument was about, or do you feel comfortable talking about that? 
So we have cats and my mom is allergic. So we left our cats in one of our bedrooms just so that way she wouldn't have to deal with it. And he just, he made a comment like, oh, hey, I'm going to go get our cats a special treat since they've been locked up in the room. And I think my mom took it the wrong way that he was taking it as, you know, like, how dare you, you know, we have to lock our cats up. So she kind of took it personally. And then it just kind of like cannonballed from there. Tig, do you have any early analysis I don't have an analysis, but I do have something to say. I have, uh, you're catching me, Abby, right in the middle of a life-changing time for myself. And it has to do with conflict and how to deal with it. And one of the things that I realized in my soul searching was that and I don't know if you're open to this or your boyfriend would ever be open to this or your mother would be open to this. And it's something that I've started implementing in my life. And again, I don't know your mother's personality and I really don't know your boyfriend. But if one of them is more open to this, here's what I suggest you do. And this is genuine. And this is what I'm doing in my life. When there's a conflict, no matter what the conflict is, completely search for what your part in the conflict is and apologize for it and own what you did with zero expectation of the other person apologizing. It's the most freeing thing you can do because it really puts everything off of you onto the other person. Then they have to reflect and then you see Are they willing to or able to reflect? And if they're not, then they're not. But you can't expect anything more from them. It's true. It's it's really good. Like in any conflict, just say, I can see that. I could have handled it this way. And it's not that you're saying or that they're saying the other person is perfect or not at fault in any way. It's just you're 100% taking responsibility and owning what you could have done differently or better. Does Abby tell her mom, mom, you know, I really wanted you to be very comfortable in our home and I love you so much. And I'm sorry that that wasn't the case. Or just even there's so many different ways. I think you could go about this. You could talk to your boyfriend and say, would you be open to talking to my mother in this way? Or if your mother's more open to it, Ask her if she'd be willing to talk to your boyfriend that way. Or you could approach them both and just say, hey, here's my involvement. Here's what maybe I've, I could have done differently in our dynamic right. between the three of us. And I want to apologize for putting us in this situation in this manner. Or here's where I'm responsible or at fault. And, Without and any it, and, kind of but, right? Yeah, there's not, you're not asking anything of anyone else. You can say, I'm open if you have any feelings or thoughts, but that's where I am. But I'm telling you, Abby, you're catching me. I'm right in the middle of figuring this out and trying that out for myself. I just think, okay, who has what agenda? Because there isn't any reason for her mom and boyfriend to be at odds. Yeah. The other question is, though, do you envision a long future with your boyfriend? Yeah, absolutely. You know what else is really important? (laughs) If you really picture a long 
relationship with him, you need to put boundaries and a bubble around the two of you. If you consider that your primary relationship, you should be like, nothing is going to infiltrate this relationship. Nothing is going to infiltrate this love. And if you can't maintain that bubble, then there's going to be stuff that's going to get in there and be troublesome. Right. So the thing is, like, my mom and we are really close. We talk, like, weekly. Um, like, I call her. And, you know, we have a good relationship. It's just she does make comments to me all the time about how she doesn't want to see me fall into the same pattern that she did. And she doesn't want me to marry someone like my father. And, like, she makes comments like that. And she feels she's helping me. But it does just kind of a wedge between us. Because then I feel like I can't tell her anything about my life because... Tell her you don't want her to rob you of your own experience in life, that you, you have your, your path and you have your lessons to learn and not to rob you of that. Yeah. That this is a journey that you have to go on, even if your heart gets broken or whatever, it's not something that she can protect you from. Right. Yeah. And we all have to go through that. In fact, I believe that if we don't, then we're not fully formed people. I appreciate it. Who do you feel like a little more irked with your mom or your boyfriend? I I would say my mom at this point, just because my boyfriend, he doesn't make any comments about my mom. You know, he he's mentioned that he would like to apologize. And I've kind of tried gauging it with her. And she, you know, still kind of she's she's holding a grudge for sure. Whereas he, you know, he feels terrible and he wants to apologize. And she more or less just she kind of wrote him off. That seems weird to me because she should be kind of the adult. You got to put that bubble around your relationship, Abby. Yeah. You got to take care of you and Mr. Handsome Face. (laughs) That's probably what I'm going to have to do just so I can keep my sanity, it feels. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that Tig is right. Protect the relationship. Abby, do you think you've always had tension issues with your mom? Yeah, my mom and I are very similar in the worst ways, it seems. (laughs) So there's always been a little bit of tension. I love her to death. But yeah, I mean, you know, as I get older, I realize that it's okay to distance myself a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, and do you have a sister? I do have a sister, yes. Older or younger? Older. And is she married? Yeah, she recently just got married. And does she have kids? She does not. Does your mother like who your sister married? Loves them. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) He's like the perfect man. He's, you know, from a small town. His family lived. They're all very close. Yeah. He's so focus is all all on you. So it's like any time people who are addicted to drama, they need to like recalibrate their focus. And it's a subconscious move. I think it's just a process of of understanding where people's motivations are coming from. And if she's lonely, she doesn't even realize that she's doing this. She needs to refocus her drama on on something else. And I think it's just important that you recognize that I come from a family of this. This is like so up my alley. My mom and her two (laughs) sisters. Oh, my God. But I love them. There are like two pieces of, of reflection there. And both party members are taking up your energy and and, yeah. your, and your kindness. And they're, you know, worthy of some, some uh, introspection that's private and selfish, you know? 
Um, yeah, that makes total sense. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I just, I, you know, I think that both party members are thinking that they're protecting you or their relationship with you, but maybe, yeah. maybe you really, need... it's just stressing me out. Yes, yes, which they should not do. Which they should right. do. Agreed. I know that your your call is going to uh, resonate with listeners, and I would really love to be in touch with you. And I'm sorry that you're being pulled between two people that you love. Thank you so much. I will. I'll keep in touch. I promise. All right. Thanks, Abby. Talk to you in the morning. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Your advice, Tig, was amazing. I'm right in the middle of it. How do you ask within 20 minutes? Do you love your boyfriend? You just ask. As much as he loves you? Sure. Like, ask. what's the, like. Get down to it. I'll okay. ask the hard oh, yeah. questions. Right. Hello? Hi, Jerry. It's Anna Ferris. Oh, hey, Anna. Hi. <laughs> it said unknown, and I was like, who is this? Hi. I love it. It feels like we're fast friends. I'm here with Tig Nataro. Hey, Jerbear. Oh, my God. Everyone calls me that. <laughs> I really? figured I was jumping into a long line. <laughs> Uh, Anna, uh, first of all, you have no idea how emotionally scary this is, but like in a really, really fun way. So just FYI. Oh, good. And is it weird if I say the feeling is mutual? Uh, no, no, yes, I'm, I'm but, always again, great. <laughs> I'm always scared to pretend like I have the answers to anything. And and anyway, Jerry, thank you so much for for doing this, for submitting a question, and Tig and I are, are here for you in a very unqualified way. <laughs> uh, Tig, also, um, Ellen DeGeneres introduced me to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in, like in person, but like on her show. Sure. So uh, she, this led me to watch her comedy specials and, again, thoroughly enjoyed them. So thank I'm not going to repeat your comedy to you, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Jer Bear. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I will keep this brief and short, but. I've been dating this guy for, like, almost 10 months. I like him a lot. Um, He's two years older than I am, but has never been in a serious gay relationship until now. His parents died when he was younger and keeps mostly in contact with just his uncle. He is socially introverted and mostly works on his computer. Uh, He can be very attached and honest, but also emotionally distant and reserved, if that makes any sense. Sure. We've been through various breaks and even a breakup, mostly due to his need for space. The breakup was 
because he felt bored in the relationship and because he wanted someone more like him in the sense of like intellectual interest and someone who was probably also as introverted as he is. I like to invest my time and energy into a relationship, but ever since the breakup, I kind of just felt afraid by the uncertainty. If, again, if that makes any sense. He says he cares about me, but at times it just feels like I'm just a placeholder until something better comes along for him. I've even suggested that he, he should date other people to recheat that I'm a placeholder. Yeah. No, he didn't. It feels that way. You, it feels you feel that it. way. Uh, yes. And I've even mentioned this to him because he, uh, you know, he talks to me about friends that he talks to and then they have things in common. He's very reserved and he's very into science and into math. And, you know, I know math, but uh, I have a limit. And he just talks to me about these people. And then it seems like he's infatuated with said people. And I'm like, well, that's what friends are for. I'm not necessarily like that, but if you like me in a romantic way, we can make things work. So I feel like he likes me. He likes that he can trust me. He likes that he can spend time with me and have, you know, intellectual conversations to an extent with me. But I don't really fulfill all of those things that he needs, which is fine. But if he wants that, then, you know, uh, then, you know, there's no necessarily point in being together, or at least that's what I think. And that's what I told him. I'm like, if that's what you're looking for, go ahead and look into it. And if you don't, well, I'm here. And he said that he doesn't want to. And he plans to move to Seattle in a year or so for school. And we've talked about that. And he's expressed interest in making things work until then. So therefore, my question is, like, do I stay on board, deal with the uncertainty and the probable future breaks and see how things go? Or do I just, like, protect my heart, give him his space, allow him to figure himself out. I think you should mirror what he does. I think that you give mirror him... Mirror what he does? Yeah, I think you give him space, and if he reaches out to you, respond, or, you know, if he wants to spend time together. But, I mean, I wouldn't invest too much. I always think in terms of, if you're interested in buying a car, you're going to make sure you get a down payment and you go and you talk to the dealership and you're like, I want, I want that car. You know, you should uh -huh. be doing that. He should be doing that. You don't just kind of let the car sit and go, yeah, I, I want it. Cause you know, somebody else is going to buy the car. It does. It does seem like Jay from, from what you've told us that the things don't add up, you know, they uh, don't. Yeah. Emo emotionally. I feel more invested than he is. Yeah, then that's, you gotta. That's an incredibly honest thing that you just said, though. That's awesome that you got to that place. And the fact that you recognize that, and also you are recognizing that, yeah, that things aren't adding up. Like, what does he want to go to school for in Seattle at age 29? I mean, I applaud people that want to go back to school, but. It feels like in the story that you described, and I hope that you forgive me, Jerry, for making any assumptions, but it feels like that you don't know fundamentally a ton about him. I don't understand why he wants to talk about science and tech and is mad at you for not wanting to talk about those things. Like, even if that's your passion, it feels a little arbitrary. At first, I was offended and hurt, but, you know, ultimately, I was like, well, that's your preference. I respect it, and I respect for being honest with me. 
I mean, that's not how I personally view a relationship, but you know, that's personal. So I kind of just like brushed it off. And then he eventually reached out to me and he's like, well, I think maybe I'm expecting too much from you. Maybe we should just talk again. And that's been an ongoing pattern with him. Like even on our first date, we went out, we met up and then he's like, uh, yeah, I'm not really feeling this. And then later on, he messages me again. And he's like, well, what if you meet in a more private setting? And at first I thought, you know, stranger danger. But it just turns out that he liked more private settings and liked that more one-on-one conversation. And then that's where the relationship started because he felt more comfortable. But then again, another break and then another break. And then he does this thing where when he gets upset at something that I do, he just shuts me out. And then he resumes like nothing happened until I like reach out to him. Like recently, about a week ago, he wanted me to drive up to where he lives. He lives, he lives like an hour away from where I live. And I, I forgot that I was supposed to go up there. And then I try to make some weird joke about it. And then he got upset. And then rather than talking to me about it, he just hangs up and then stops talking to me for like about two to three days. And then I recently messaged him again. I said, Hey, what's going on? Like, are we still together? Like talk to me. And he's like, Oh yeah, I'm cool. Um, just got upset. Uh, hey, do you want to come up here on, uh, you know, on so-and-so day? I was like, do you realize what just happened? So I don't know if I'm just making up excuses for his lack of dating experience or, or, or if he's just not invested. And that's, that's, where, that's to the point that I don't want to get to, to where I'm making excuses for him. It's like, oh, well, he hasn't dated enough. Oh, well, this is his first gay relationship. Oh, well, you know, he was insecure with his homosexuality to begin with. Could be both. And Jerry, what do you like about him? I like that I am able to be myself with him and that he's not like me. Like, we have different interests and uh, he has different views than I do. Not too much, but I can feel intellectually challenged with him. I feel like I can learn from him. And, you know, I I really enjoy my time with him. But again, I feel like I shouldn't invest as much as I have been. And then, which is why I've been kind of emotionally holding back a bit. But even that doesn't feel genuine. I feel like your gut is telling you something here. I I don't know if I I adore this fella for you, Jerry. I think that you may be at a place in your life where where the chase or like the idea of a partner is sort of more intriguing than the reality. I don't know. I've definitely been there. Many a time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the behavior pattern that you've presented to us for you at all. I think that that you should uh, be with somebody who, who adds up, who isn't like dangling the threat of like moving away or whatever. I'm not saying that that's a threat necessarily. If for, you know, most of the time in your relationship, you don't feel great. Or you feel uneasy or insecure or whatever, then that's not great. That's not great for you. And that will only continue. Like, usually that doesn't reverse itself, where suddenly it's like, oh, yes, now this person is making me feel like I'm brilliant and handsome and whatever, and I can do anything, I can take on the world. That, that just usually doesn't happen. So I'm not crazy about this guy for you. You seem amazing. And I, 
Yeah, and yeah, I, he needs to put a down payment on the car. Yeah, yeah, you know that's right. And I would say try mirroring his behavior and see where he meets you. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I don't know when I was a kid and I really wanted Ryan to call me, I would leave the phone off the hook <laughs> because I just thought on the off chance that he would try to call me, I wouldn't even know about it. So I'm just going to leave the phone off the hook. And that way he'll just get a busy signal. He never tried to call me, by the way. But my parents just got mad at me for leaving the phone off the hook um, <laughs> a lot. But but at least it was my insurance to, like, I'm protecting myself because I know this probably isn't going to happen. And so, but I, and I cannot wait around I all night. I hope Ryan's listening. I, you know, I did call him <laughs> once a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, remember me? I wrote a whole diary about you. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah. I don't know, Jerry, if this is at all helpful. I don't know about this dude. And I, I, and I do, you know, I want you to, to protect yourself. And with any luck, we will all go through heartbreak yeah. in our lives in various stages. But I do think that... You're already clocking these early warning signs, and the mystery doesn't doesn't fully add up. And yeah, I want you to feel protected. Thank you very much. Hang in there, Jer Bear. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for being so open. Please be in touch again. Highly appreciate it, you guys. Thank Alrighty. you so much. give amazing advice. I was more nervous about this, about meeting you, than I've been in quite a long time. It was my pleasure. Yes. I had such a nice, enjoyable time, and, and I, I think we just changed these people's lives. How does this end? Well, we just go like this. I love you, dear listeners. Bye-bye. <laughs> You're afraid to say I love you. I love you, dear listeners. Bye-bye. <laughs> I still want chips. Hey, dear listeners, check out season two of Under a Rock with Tig Notaro, which premieres online November 5th.